The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Glory, Glory to you, O Lord. Great crowds accompanied Jesus on his way, and he turned and spoke to them. If any man comes to me without hating his mother, father, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even his own life too, he cannot be my disciple. Anyone who does not carry his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And indeed, which of you here, intending to build a tower, would not first sit down and work out the cost to see if he had enough to complete it? Otherwise, if he had laid the foundation and then found himself unable to finish the work, the onlookers would all start making fun of him and saying, here is a man who started to build and was unable to finish. Or again, what king marching to war against another king would not first sit down and consider whether with 10,000 men he could stand up to the other who advanced against him with 20,000? If not, then while the other king was still a long way off, he would send envoys to sue for peace. So in the same way, none of you can be my disciple unless he gives up all his possessions. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so I'll organize for a bigger collection plate because we're going to just empty everything we got, all our, all our bank statements, just everything, you know, because that's what Jesus is calling us to today. Unless you rid yourself of all your possessions. Look, yesterday I was with the community in Tannum and I asked them a question, and I'm not going to ask you this question, but the question was, what's their favorite thing about the church? And I think it's worth noting, there's a lot of things we probably find abrasive in the church, you know, um, the abuse crisis is a huge wound in our recent history. Uh, the, the dismissiveness and the kind of cold, authoritative nature that the church can sometimes seem to have. Very abrasive facades of the church that we encounter. But there's got to be something that we find very satisfying, at the very least, very consoling, that makes it worth returning again and again. Otherwise, I said this to Tanim and I firmly believe it, we would have stopped coming a long, long time ago. We would have said, yeah, that thing's run its course. I'm on to the next thing now. But no, we know that we come here and we're pressing into something and somehow we do get deeper and deeper. So here we are again. And here we will be again next Sunday. Here we will be again next Sunday until eternity. <laughs> um, in fact, we're coming to the same place that we will be eternally. Anyway, I'm not going to ask you that question even though you may have your responses and I'd love to hear them later. But the question I want to ask you is really the other side of the equation. And please, please respond if you're, if you're comfortable to do so. What do you think makes Christianity hard? You know? And there's lots of things. For one, <laughs> our frailty makes it hard. Um, but what do you think are the challenges of the Christian life for us in 2022 in you know, the Diocese of Rockhampton? Because of the nature of the way the world is going, mm. without the complete understanding of the benefits of those decisions. Right, right. Of, uh, an undiscerning world. Yeah. Love your neighbor. Yeah. As in the very act of love is a challenge. Yeah. And all the more challenging when, you, you know, like, who is my neighbor? Oh, it's, it's your enemy. <laughs> the one you hate, that's your neighbor. Oh, great, good. Of this world without being part of it. Yeah, that's hard, isn't it? Because we are here for a reason. We are planted in this place. 
Um, it's not arbitrary. Jesus doesn't want us to teleport out of the earth. We're here on mission, on pilgrimage. Yeah, it's hard. Anything else? What about the beautiful, bittersweet challenges of being a mum or a dad? <laughs> a Christian mum or dad, you know, that's a bit different. <laughs> um, and knowing our purpose too. Knowing our purpose. Yeah. Cool. What are you guys thinking? Anything? No. So Christianity's easy. <laughs> no, I hear you. I, I get it. Look, I think that we can name all these things, but they, they sort of collect under a banner. And I would suggest, as I sit with the readings, and as I sit with us, you know, I feel like the, the great challenge of Christianity is this thing we call trust. Trust in God. For one, where the hell is he? As, as the Jesuit theologian wrote in his book, where the hell is God? You know, when, when we pray and horrible things happen. You think, well, <laughs> why did I pray? Why do I bother? Even at the best of times, he's invisible. Uh, it's probably just endorphins and stuff running through my, my brain. Obviously, it's not. But the whole thing is an act of trust, isn't it? The whole thing comes down to this radical, radical, almost unreasonable trust. Because God gave us brains, right? God gave us intelligence. So we're constantly appraising situations, mitigating risks, trying to come through with some kind of a profit so we're not just depleting ourselves and running into ruin. This is the brain God gave us. We're meant to use it. But then God challenges us to not try and fix the game because we're not the lords of this place. We're sons and daughters. We're adopted into something else. And so we're not really conquerors here, even though that's the autopilot script that runs out when, when we're not thinking. Listen to this. What man can know the intentions of God who can divine the will of the Lord? You know, I, I think of the church's great repulsion to um, weird ways to try and fortune tell and, and safeguard our future. And no, the church immemorial has said, don't do that. That's not the disposition of the Christian. The Christian trusts in an other who is God. God can fix the game for us. We don't need to do anything. The reasoning of mortals are unsure. Our intentions are unstable. You know, St. Bonaventure said, we are a bundle of desires. And it's, it's very hard to tell exactly why we're doing anything. You know, um, why, did I, why did I have a coffee this morning? I mean, is it just... You know what I mean? Like, any random thing. It's like, there's so many intentions running through each other. I, I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> at, at any given time. The intentions of man are, are unsure. And our intentions are unstable. And... Our perishable body presses down the soul. So even if my intentions are good, my, my lazy, fleshy, fatigued body kind of ruins the thing as I start going. I start to trip and stumble. I can't even walk where I want to, spiritually. It's hard enough for us to work out what is on earth. Laborious to know what lies within our reach. See, we're very limited. It's, it's kind of an ironic comedy that the Christian trusts himself more than he trusts God. But this is what sin is. Listen to this from the Catechism. It's paragraph nine, sorry, three, 397. Man, tempted by sin. Sorry, it actually, I wrote it wrong. It says tempted by Satan. Man, tempted by Satan, let his trust in his creator die in his heart. And abusing his freedom, which is such a gift. We're not robots. We're not animals. 
um, yes, we're biological creatures, but, but we've, got, we've got this insane gift called freedom. The very first words God said to Adam, go and check in Genesis, you are free. The very first words, because that's what he is. He's a free being. Disobeying God, abusing his freedom, he, he positioned himself to disobey God's commands. And listen to this. This is man's first sin. This is what man's first sin consisted of. And all subsequent sins would be disobedience towards God and a lack of trust in his goodness. Somehow falling into the silly idea that I can give myself something better than my loving creator can. And I would want to give myself something better than my loving creator wants to. Isn't that just nonsense? Sin is like the silliest thing in the, in the world. <laughs> it's so silly. It is so silly. But this is the great challenge. And, and I think God, in his wisdom, in his fatherly goodness on Father's Day, in his fatherly goodness, he invites us to depart from, at times, I mean, as, as I said, we've got a mind, we've got a brain, we've got rationality, we're meant to use that, yes. But, but I think he purposely jars it at times so that when push comes to shove, I, I have to choose between God and my reason. And everything in me wants to choose my reason. But if I know God, which we do, he makes himself known to us. If I know God, if I say, that's what it looks like. But as, as Faustina heard from Jesus, that beautiful prayer, Jesus, I trust in you. Such a simple refrain. Jesus, I trust in you. You lead the way. You take my hand. You guide my mind and my imagination. You um, help me get over my unrest and my, I don't know, um, blindness. Um, there's another paragraph I want to read here. Listen to this. And so we see the Holy Spirit. This is a little earlier in the catechism, but for us it's later. You know, There's sin, and then God enters into it and... And, and does away with it. And then, and then he sends that promised breath of God, the deep divine breath of the Holy Spirit. And what does he say of the Holy Spirit? He says, it's to your benefit that I go, because if I didn't go, I couldn't send you the counselor who will guide you into all truth. So if you want to trust someone, trust him who comes and makes a dwelling in you. You become the trusted dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. And so we see the Holy Spirit, the principal author of sacred scripture, everything we've just heard, but a profound way of recalling God's primacy and absolute lordship over history and over the world. And check this out. And so of educating his people to trust him. Trust is something we have to relearn. It's not a feeling. It's not, a, it's not like rolling a dice. It's, it's, it's a lesson. The, the great long, long lesson of learning to trust God. Um, I, I wrote here, there were times in Israel's history when they were told, go and march against that army, even though you heard that reading about 20,000, 10,000 men, go and march against that army, even though they're literally giants. Go and march against them. And, and they're shaky, but they go and they win. Or another time God says, do not march against them. And they say, no, we're going to go. And they take the ark into their own hands and they go and the ark gets stolen. <laughs> It's like, I didn't tell you to do that. You know, why are you doing that? Trusting God means being in constant conversation with God. And he's always speaking, if not in words, then in ways that are too deep to, to articulate here and now. 
for all of that, and, and for us on our pilgrimage now, I just want us to think for a moment of where we are in our journey. And we are adopted into that family of God. Beloved sons and daughters, think of Paul giving back Onesimus to, to his company. And he says, he's not a slave anymore. He's a brother in the Lord. He's a son now. He has a far higher dignity. So give him that dignity for my sake. The same happens with us. We're not slaves in this world unless it's a, it's a kind of slavery of love, of service, of, of giving ourselves to the other. But we do it as brothers and sisters adopted into this very trusted company. So why don't we just take a second to gather where we are, all pleasures, all struggles. And we might simply pray if we, if we can those beautiful words that Jesus gave to Faustina. We might say it three times. Is that okay? That would be a nice refrain. So let's together say, Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you.